We'll continue to walk through this one another series. I don't know if it's starting to sink in with you yet or not. But God has said an awful lot about how we're to walk in life with each other. How we're to navigate this day-to-day, not individually, but interconnected as the body. You know, the, the great thing is I don't have to do this by myself. In fact, if I try to do it by myself, I'm going to probably fail. But when I walk with you, and when you walk with me, we become strengthened because we're not walking as us, we're walking as the body of Christ. And I think I remember a passage of Scripture saying something about nothing in hell is going to be able to stand against the work of God. That's just a paraphrase. Gates of hell can, cannot prevent us as the kingdom going forward together as the kingdom. It can beat me to death, <laughs> but not us because we are Jesus. He left us. I mean, the whole the whole thing that we proclaim here in this church is that we're here to be Jesus today because He left. He left us His mission. He left us his work. He left us to do it. And so the work of Christ, the kingdom of God, can't be stopped. Amen. You and I might be. Hey, we lost a member. We lost a brick. But God knew that. That was his call. He took that brick out in frame. He'll, he'll replace it. He'll, he'll protect the hole until he does. Together, we cannot fail. The mission of Christ will not fail. And yet, we walk around so often feeling like we're failures. And I think it's so often because we, we're focused on trying to do our thing in the, in the mission instead of doing the mission. And a big part of that is how we walk together. We, 20th century church was so focused on evangelism, and that is huge. Evangelism is, is a, a huge part of what we're called to do. But as you have heard us say so often here, here's the mission of the church. That means us. Go and make disciples. Now, you can't make a disciple without evangelism. It's the first step. Lost person can't be disciple. You have to women to Christ, but that's God's job. Isn't it? Yes. Can, can you say, have you ever wanted anybody? No. Me either. Now, we talk that way. You know, we, we talk like, well, Tim and Tina were at this event and they led, they won people to Christ. Well, we, we know what we're saying, but sometimes in saying that, I think we just say stuff that misleads even our own thinking. Because Tim and Tina didn't win anybody. They presented the gospel message, and God used that to win people to Him. He drew, 
We've talked about it so many times. I'll take y'all down. Uh, anytime y'all want to come, we'll go down there to the funeral home. Kelly will let me in the back room. We'll walk in there. They're laid out on the table. I dare you to make them get up. It ain't happening because they're dead. Amen. And it's the same way we were spiritually. You and your power are not going to get up from being dead. Me and my power ain't going to get you up from being dead. But God, Amen. who gives life, can speak into that dead body and bring it up. If he can do it in the physical, he can do it in the spiritual. And that's how we had new life. That's his job. Evangelize. To win the lost. Our job is to share the message. He uses us, no doubt. All the stuff after that, he said, you go and decide. You go train. You go teach. You baptize. You tell them all the stuff I did. You walk with them. That's our job. Now, he does the internal work of the Spirit of God, but he put us, just like the, the, of sharing the message of the gospel, he puts us as the hands and feet that are doing the work of discipling the body of Christ. And so as we're beginning to talk about this, I want you to, the reason I said, said all that was this, that 20th century church focused so much on evangelism, we got outwardly focused, and that's great. We need to be outwardly focused as, a, as the kingdom. But in the process of that, we got inwardly weak. Listen, Sunday morning... And this just this is a personal philosophy. I don't argue with other preachers. Mark and I have talked about it. I think we're in full agreement on this. You may not even agree with it. It's okay. I mean, we can have disagreements. But my personal opinion is Sunday morning isn't necessarily meant to be the lighthouse on the hillside, the, the evangelistic service, and Bring the lost into the house of God so that they can hear. Yes, that does happen, and there's nothing wrong with bringing lost people to church. And we, when we know there's somebody lost in the room, we definitely make sure the gospel gets presented. We try to make sure the gospel gets presented pretty regularly, even because we don't know what's in your heart. I can't see into you. You can't see into me. Only God does. But I'm looking around the room today, and... I've heard y'all's testimonies. I know y'all. I've walked with y'all. As far as I know, everyone in this room is born again by the Spirit of God. You have shown evidence of that. Sunday morning is about the church coming together to worship the resurrected Savior that gives us hope Amen. to train us up, to strengthen us up so that we can go out, you and me, as sheep and birth other sheep. See, my job after, after we get done on Sunday morning, when I go back out on Sunday afternoon, my job quits being shepherd in some respects and becomes go back to being a sheep. Just because I'm a shepherd doesn't mean I'm not a sheep. I'm supposed to still be birthing other sheep while I'm shepherding the sheep to go do the same thing. But when we come in here, it's to... to I mean, give her, have you read Psalm 23? What did he do with that sheep? He anointed its head with oil. Why did he anoint the head with oil? It wasn't just ceremonial. 
Man, them sheep get out there and get the briars and they get all cut up and get stuff in them. And, hey, I'm going to heal you up when you come back in the pen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick you up. I'm going to make sure you're okay. I'm going to check you out. That's what the shepherd does. And that's what I'm here to do. Is I'm here to, to pick you up and check you out. See if there's something that's, that's wrong. And see if there's a, a snag. See if you out there while you were doing that stuff this week as a sheep. You know, maybe you got bit. Maybe another sheep. How dare another sheep bite me. Well, if you had never bit, been bitten by another sheep, you hadn't been around sheep. Because <laughs> they bite. And they'll bite each other. Maybe a maybe a old wild animal out there got after you. Maybe you just got in the in the weeds on your own. Sheep kind of stupid. <laughs> you ever noticed? They're not the brightest things in the world. They'll go do dumb things. Remember, I'm a sheep, so I know what we do. So when we come together, it's about us. It's about training and teaching and learning. So I'm saying all this today because I want you to hear what we're saying. They're laughing at me in the office. Somebody go throw something at me because they're talking about dumb sheep back there, I think. Shepherd sheep. <laughs> um, we're here to encourage one another. We're here to, to learn. We're here to... Listen, I know y'all well enough to know. Y'all didn't just come because it's Sunday and you got to be here. If you're here on time change at 8.30 and ready to go, you're here because you want to be here. You're here because you want to worship. You're here because you want to fellowship. You're here because you want the Spirit of God to say something to you today. And that's what I'm hoping will happen today. We've been in the one another's for a few weeks. John chapter 13. The context of this passage is Jesus talking to his disciples. Those men that he had gathered together with himself. And he's going to do something in this passage that's such... To us, it, it probably just kind of just does one of these things. Because we don't do it. Because it's not necessary in today's American culture. Man, you talk about something powerful. This passage is powerful in what it was talking about. I'm going to jump to verse number 12. Jesus is talking about washing feet. Okay? He's actually going to literally... Get down on his hands and knees with a basin of water and a towel. Matter of fact, when they used to do it in that day, he would take off his tunic or robe that he'd wear and he'd have his, his under robe on and he would get down and he would you would wrap a towel around you or something to keep you from getting soaked and you would have a towel with you and you would literally wash the mud and dirt and sand and stuff People that had sandals took them off, but a lot of people just walk around barefoot on dirty roads. Most of us can get that in Keystone Heights. 
And he would wash their feet. And they wouldn't just, you know, you know a little you know, manicure kind of thing. I mean, they'd wash up to the ankles because it was nasty. And the reason they did it is because the tables they sat at when they ate were not tables like this. They were tables that were low. And the culture, they sat on the ground and they put their, they didn't sit Indian style squatted. They put the feet off to one side because they sat for a while. And if you've ever sat with your legs crossed like that for a while, when you go to stand up, you're still there. You go, and nothing moves. So their feet were over here. And their head was kind of kind of leaning. Remember when, when the Bible talks about John leaning on Jesus's, and you see the table, and they're all sitting up, and John, that's so much garbage. That's European thinking. They were on the ground, and he was leaning his shoulder because that's the way they leaned. But guess where your shoulder's leaning into? That guy's feet. And they stink. And they're nasty. And you're going to try to eat food. They pass this bowl of raw food around in your feet. That's not good eating. And so the lowliest servant in the house got the job of washing feet. The nobody. I mean, the less than nobody. Your job was, everybody's showing up today for the party. You go stand over there, go dump the water out, get clean water, wash. Go dump water out, get clean water, wash. And you just keep washing nasty feet. Now, I don't know about y'all, but first off, that's just a little gross. And secondly, I don't even know if I want anybody washing my feet. Do you want somebody? What if I had a bowl out here today and I came over and I just said, pull your shoes off, let me wash your feet. A half of y'all in this room at least would say, no, it's okay, really. Just leave my feet alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that can of spray, right. So that's the context of what's happening. And Jesus does this for the disciples. We pick up in verse number 12. When Jesus, Jesus finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and went back to the table. He asked, do you understand what I did for you? Wow. What, how many times have they seen this and done this in their life? And he asked a question. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher. You call me Lord. This is right because that is what I am. I am your Lord and teacher. But I washed your feet. So you should also watch each other's feet. I did this as an example for you, so you should serve each other just as I served you. Now, we've talked about this idea of foot washing. I mean, we, we, we know rationally what we're talking about, but it's the, I don't think anybody in the room is going to be washing anybody's feet this week, are you? I mean, it's just not typical. So, what are we talking about here? How does this relate to where we are in life? What he did for them was something necessary and practical and important to the person who was being done to him. Right? Could they have washed their own feet? Some of them could have. Old and fat like me, you have to get the water hose to do it because it's hard to get down there. But, but you know, some could, some couldn't. 
So, it's, I mean, there, there's times when, when you're doing it because nobody can do it for you. And other times it's being done for you just out of honor and courtesy and grace. And so we began, Mark and I began talking about this. How can we, how can we make this real for us? So we, we actually said we're going to take a little different approach today. I'm going to let you guys talk a little today. I actually have got a couple of people lined up that I want to just share, let them share where they're at, how God has blessed them through somebody serving them in a really practical way. Some big, some small. Zach is one of our folks that's going to share a testimony today. So Zach, where you're at, you don't have to get up, you don't have to move around. Just just tell them what what you were thinking. Alright, so the person that encourages me the most is this man right here. If it wasn't for him today, I probably would not be here. Because he, when we first moved to Keystone, he kept encouraging me to come to church and to come and come. And he finally got me to come and I've been coming regularly. And I mean, this man every day, I mean, we've been working together, and I see this man do, do anything. I mean, he will do some stuff that some people, some young adults will not do and can't do. So that encourages me just like, you know, like, if he can do it, you know, I can do it. And he, I mean, he teach, he's taught me so much stuff that I would not have learned, you know, if it wasn't for him. And I've, t- I've taught him stuff that, you know, technology stuff too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I text Charles sometimes, and he'll say, he'll see uh, he'll, he'll tell me later. He said, "Sorry, it took me so long. I had to give, give Zach the phone so he could tell me what I was." <laughs> but this man is my best friend. I mean, I'm always hanging out with him. We're always doing stuff together. So this, this is the man that is encouraging me. Look, that. that awesome. Now I'm gonna tell you, that's awesomely big. But that's just a little thing. That's a great grandfather great-grandson. That's not a grandson or it's a great-grandfather. First off, you don't see a lot of that anymore, period. Great-grandson. 17 years old? 16. 16. He's 17. June. June. Just said, my great-grandfather is my best friend. I hang out with him. What do you do? He invested. Just, just loved on his great-grandson, hung out with him. Poured into him. If that isn't serving... I don't know what is. He served Zach. Now, I guarantee you, you asked Charles that. Charles didn't think he was serving Zach. He was just loving him, hanging out with him. I promise you, Charles thinks as much about Zach's doing for him as he does. He gets as much out of it. I've talked to Charles enough to know that you have too. Tell me that in foot washing. In today's context, how many how many teenage boys, 16, 17 years old, are dying to have somebody invest in them? Just spend time. Pour into their life. Tell them how to live. Look at them when they're stupid and say, that's dumb. Don't do that. I've had that happen too. Yeah, I know. I know. Put their arm around them and say, man, I am so proud of you. I can't tell you how much. But, I mean, Charles does both. That's serving in a real practical way in 2021. Let me tell you another one. I asked James and Jenny to, to share something with us. 
our newlyweds. Now, I didn't tell them they couldn't talk about each other. So hopefully they won't. <laughs> James is going to James is going to share a little bit. walked in the building. Now listen, y'all know the story. James and Jenny were divorced. Matter of fact, when she first started coming, they weren't really necessarily getting along all that well. <laughs> and that's why he's talking about giving space, but when he came, he didn't feel like he was an outsider. Y'all know what it's like to go into a church, even as, as a missionary for some. To feel like, man, I mean, am I supposed to be here? But to, walk, but to walk into a place and feel like I'm accepted. And, you know, I, this is her turn, but I'm accepted. I mean, that's that's a little thing, isn't it? But it's huge. I mean, all the way up to y'all took up a lot of money and poured into them. Nobody twisted anybody's arms. That, that's real service, isn't it? For somebody. Jesus said, I washed your feet. Do you understand what I did? Do you comprehend what it means? He goes on to say to him, I'm your Lord. You say, you say, 
Anybody in here disagree with this for your personal life? You say he is Lord and teacher for your life. Anybody here disagree with that? Me either. Let me tell you what those mean. The definition for Lord is master. Properly in context, it means a person exercising absolute ownership over you. Lock, stock, and barrel. Teacher is someone who teaches concerning the things of God and the duties of men. So an absolute owner who is teaching you the things of God and the duties that you should be doing. That's who you say he is in your life. That's who I say he is in my life. Do you understand what he's calling you to do? We have lived our lives in this culture, in this, this community, for most of our lives as Christians, going through a lot of motions, saying if I show up at church, if I put some money in a plate, and if I read my chapter a day, and if I try to work, memorize my little verse, I have met my obligation to God. And I think that God, well, I don't want to, no, I, I think I can scripturally say, I think God leans over the rails of heaven and goes, blah! Because <laughs> Revelation says that he spew, spew you out of his mouth because you're not hot or cold. And I don't think any of us want to think we're not hot. We, we don't want to fall into that Laodicean idea. We don't want to say that about me. But when I look at my life, and is he really absolutely got ownership to my life? Or do I just kind of give him a section of what I want to give him on the weekends or maybe on a Wednesday? Or, or is, he, is he directing what I do? Listen, again, I'm using, we're just talking this morning. James and Jenny. When, y'all know that when they were, they've been coming for a couple of years now together. Jenny's been coming about three and a half, four years now, something like that. And, and, I, I think I can say this without embarrassing them too bad, maybe. You know, we talked, and, and some of y'all probably thought they were married. I think everybody knows they were living in the same house, but they were not living married. Now, i got to tell you, they were doing it right. We had a lot of conversations about it. They were living in the house, but not living as a couple. They were roommates. You know how many people wouldn't believe that? in the world because how many people live in the world and live in the same house as roommates but they're living as a married couple and so when James wanted to come and join the church he said you know how, you know, what's this going to do and I just said hey look here's you tell me that you're doing the right thing I, I'm going to believe you but let me tell you this I really believe it that there's something more here going on. And you might want to think about doing this thing right. It wasn't too terribly long before they came to me one day and said, hey, we want to get married. I said, hey, great. I've been praying. You know what? Listen. Why? Because God owns them. Bought and paid for. We're going to do it right.
And as they've gotten back to the Lord, as Jenny got saved and James came back to the Lord and walking faithfully, well, there's only one way to do this. Do it faithfully the way God said do it. Well, every one of us has got things in our life like that, don't we? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says God paid a very high price to make you His. So honor God with your body. Have you thought about the price? We sang about it all morning. Have you thought about the price that God paid for you? Do you understand what it took for you to be His? It took love beyond anything you can imagine. It took grace that only God can have. It took redeeming you at a cost that nobody can pay but God. Amen. It took God turning His back on Himself. Now, that gets a little out there. But God the Father turned His back on God the Son. And not just turn his back. Every single thing that you and I deserve punishment for. Everything that God, the wrath and the hatred and the holy passion against sin that God has that should have been poured out on you, God poured out on Jesus. This ain't just some little, oh, oh no, okay, Thank you for doing that, Jesus. There's a nail in your hand. That was pretty good. You paid the price. No. God cut himself off from the Son. And he poured every bit of hatred for sin and wrath for sin onto Jesus in your place. High price for salvation. How can we not give everything to the one who owns us? In that day, if the owner of the slave said, go stand by the door and wash the feet, he went and washed feet. What has he told us to do? Love one another. Encourage one another. What are some of the other one another's we talked about? Honor, Honor one another. <clears throat> above yourself. How can we not do that? How can we take it as just being, ah, okay. I like Sam on Sunday mornings. Let me, let me tell you something. And, and he did it kind of yeah, jabbing, joking, kidding around this morning. Remember last week I gave him a hard time. He brought me some coffee and I was like, where's my donut? <laughs> I walked in this morning. I'm back there working on the computer. Up comes a cup of coffee and a donut. Sets it on and walks off. Now, it was kind of a little joke between he and I. You know how many times this guy does stuff for me like that? And he doesn't do it just because I'm special. He does it because he loves Jesus. And listen, I can say that about every one of y'all. But we do it because God has called us to. If God's done so much for you, what's stopping you from doing for someone else? What's causing you to hold back? 
Why aren't you selling out to what the master's told us to do? The last half of verse 14. He said, I washed your feet so you should wash each other's feet. And he didn't say get out there in the world and wash their feet. We spend so much time in the church today. How, how can we be attractional? Man, we want to, I want the world to come see me. Well, there, there is a point for that. And I'm, I'm not... But what did he tell us to do? Each other. Each other. How, how can I help Lori? Lori's the newest section of our church. She's been here a couple of months now. Two or three months. I don't know what it is. Three months, something like that. Two months. Listen. She's already reaching into our church. And somebody was, I don't know how much of y'all are reaching out to her, but we need to be reaching out. Find out about her. Know what her life is like. Pour into it. Why? I wash your feet. You should also wash each other's feet. How can you practice? Because we're talking about how can you practically pour into Lori's life? Not because you know her well, or because she deserves it or doesn't deserve it. Because your master, who is telling you as a teacher the things of God and how you're supposed to live out your duties as a man, has commanded you to do it, not because of any other reason that he's shown you that that's what he did. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. I want you to listen, just, just think again about this. What has Jesus done for you? In your life together, Jesus is talking to us. In your life together, as the body of Christ, think the way Christ Jesus thought. Okay, I can do that. Can you do that? He's going to define for you what that means. He's not going to give you any leeway on this. There ain't no out. Figure it out how you want to think about it. This is what he means. He was like God in every way. But he didn't think that being equal with God was something to use for his own benefit. Come on. God, come on, give me a little room. I'm a believer. I'm your child. Don't think about that like it's anything you have to carry. Don't carry that like some badge of, of set me at the high seat. If God himself did not take that that way, you and I shouldn't take that way. Instead, he gave up everything. Have you given up everything for the kingdom of God? Everything. Are you willing to, are you willing to give up relationships? So maybe you've got some bad relationships. You giving them up? You're willing to? Maybe you got some some. You got any money in the bank? No way, man, preacher. He didn't say give up. He gave up everything. Let's be practical. You willing to give up everything? If God asks, you willing to give it all up? What? What if He says, "Hey, go join a ministry, travel around the country. It's fun." Never be home. <laughs> what if he says, 
show up at that church and just go to work. But I don't want to be at that church. That was Sam's testimony. I didn't ask if you wanted to be. Get over and go do it. Come up and lead the praise team. I don't really want to be in the front. If I could sit in the back, it'd be fine. And what I asked. Maybe you're up front. Get back in the back for a little while. Now, wait a minute. I've told y'all before. The scariest question for me. Or the scariest thought for me. In my human emotion. You're done now. Just go sit down. You'll be alright. I got this. You just sit over there. Somebody else will do this part. Wait a minute. I'm the pastor. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Are you willing to give up everything? He was even willing to give up his place with God. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure I'm there. Am I willing to say, God, just turn your back on me if that's what's necessary? Now, we know rationally God's never going to do that, right? He did it to Jesus. Are you willing? During his life as a man, okay, I'm God, it's no big, during his life as a man, living just like me and you, he humbled himself by being fully obedient to God, even when it caused his death. Are you willing to be so obedient to God that you'll follow him even if it takes you to a place where you have to die? Yes, preacher, I'll go to the death. Will you die to yourself? I'll go to my death. Let's don't go to that dying to self stuff. Are you willing to die to what you want? What you think you deserve? What maybe you do deserve in the human? Are you willing to die to that? To follow God. That's the kind of Christianity that Jesus is telling us to live. He didn't care what you dress like when you show up. Cover up your naked. I don't want to see your naked. But he didn't care whether you wear fancy clothes or not wear fancy clothes. He didn't care whether you eat or don't eat stuff that you're supposed to eat. He didn't care about a whole lot of stuff that you and I have worried about for years. What he cares about is, are you willing to follow me? What if it goes against what the church thinks? Are you willing to follow me? What if I lose friends? Are you willing to follow me? This, he's talking about a relationship with him that is, that is totally one-sided. His side. He said, I'll take care of everything. You just follow. Maybe, sheep, I'm going to take you out there and you're going to end up in the bushes and you're going to get scratched up in the branches and I'm going to put you around a pen with a bunch of nasty, mean sheep that bite and snarl and kick, or I'm going to put you in the pen, not let you run free. You willing to follow me? It's easy to sit here on Sunday morning and say, "Yeah, I'll follow." But tomorrow, 
when he puts that thing in your heart or in your mind or in your circumstance that you really don't want to do and nobody's going to know it but you and him and you don't answer to the preacher to see it doesn't matter if I know because it's not about me and you it's about you and him it's about me and him that's all it's about and then he gets us together and it's about us I want to tell you, it's an interesting thing he says here. He goes on in verse 17 to say this. Well, let me just read 16. because 16 says, Believe me, servants are not greater than their master. Those who are sent to do something are not greater than the one that sent them. If you know these things, y'all know this? We talked about it enough, you know it? Great blessings will be yours if you do them. It's not enough to know. you got to do. And here's my problem with that. In the culture we live in, in the world we live in in 21st century American Christianity culture, you're going to be blessed by God if you'll do it. Well, I will. I, if I have to, I'll go do it because I'm going to get some blessing out of this. Get Joel on the phone, he's going to sell one of his yachts and send me some money. <laughs> Let me, and for all those who are online, yes, I don't like some of what he teaches. If that bothers you, I'm sorry. Because let me tell you what Jesus taught about blessing. Let me just, let's just go to the source. Let me go to the master. Let me go to your teacher. Let me go to your Lord, your sovereign, your governor, the one who leads all that you are as a follower of Christ. And let me tell you what he says about blessing. Wrap your head around this one. Great blessings belong to those that are spiritually in need. God's kingdom belongs to them. Great blessings belong to those who are sad now. God will comfort them. Great blessings belong to those who are humble. They will be given the land God promised. Context here could be Israel. Context for us is the church is a land that is promised in the presence of God. Great blessings belong to those who want to do right more than anything else because God will fully satisfy them. Great blessings belong to those who show mercy to others because mercy will be given to them. Great blessings belong to those whose thoughts are pure. They will be with God. You want to know how to walk with God on a daily basis? Have pure thoughts. How do you have pure thoughts? Spend time with God. Tell God about all the thoughts you have that aren't pure. Let Him purify. Great blessings belong to those who work to bring peace. They'll be called the sons and daughters of God. I wish I could stop there. 
Great blessings belong to those who suffer persecution for doing what's right. Because God's kingdom belongs to them. Great blessings. People will insult you and hurt you. Wait a minute. We were talking about blessings, weren't we? They'll lie and say all kinds of evil things about you because you follow me. But when they do that, know that great blessings belong to you. You want to know what Jesus said blessings were? All the stuff that we're running from as hard as we can run. Because we don't want to live that way. Who's your master? Who's your teacher? Are you listening today to what he said? Do you understand how he's called you and I to live? It's a lot different than what we see around us. Let's pray and ask God to give us the strength to be His hope today. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your blessings upon us. Those things that are hard to hear. Those things that are hard to do. Thank You for the blessings of the Holy Spirit. Thank You for the truth that You tell us that You don't hold back from us. Father, use us to be the kingdom in the lost and dying world. Help us to love on each other in such a magnificent way, in such an unbridled way, in such an unusual way that the world looking at us says they must be followers of Jesus Christ. There's no other explanation. Father, we love you. We praise you. We pray in Jesus' name.